Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back with On the Record with Tiffany and my special guest, Dr. Anil T. Mangla. Dr. Mangla is working on contact tracing for the U.S. government. Dr. Mangla, will you uh, tell my audience a little bit about what you're doing? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Tiffany. My name is Dr. Mangla. Um, I have uh, worked with COVID for the past seven months, actually from the beginning of the pandemic. Um, at the moment, um, I did many um, uh, consultation um, uh, commissions uh, in Texas. I also served as the chief epidemiologist for Comel County. And for the four, past four months, I'm the lead uh, team lead here for the um, epidemiology uh, outbreak investigation team. Uh, what our team does is we identify any cases and the investigation team does a thorough investigation on that particular positive case. And then we identify normally the contacts. And that's very important because as soon as we identify contacts, we try to quarantine them for the 14 days so they do not spread the disease to anybody else. Uh, why contact tracing is important is because these are individuals that get exposed. They don't know if they're positive yet, but we have seen a significant amount of individuals that were close contacts that actually converted to a positive case. And so this enabled us to stop the, the, the spread of the disease by quarantining those individuals and normally what we see, and this is a national number, from every one positive case, there's at least a minimum uh, of five to six contacts. So you can imagine in some circumstances, example, schools or daycare centers, you're going to get a class that is close contact, meaning 20 people. So, you know, when you look at those numbers, you now can understand why our numbers are increasing so significantly. So what... Going back to school, how have you seen uh, a change in numbers with, with the contact tracing in regards to schools and children? Well, this varies from state to state, and I think there's a lot of moving parts. Um, many moving parts are going to actually identify, you know, what has the school implemented? Is the school safe? Mm-hmm. Do they have cohorting? Do they make sure that they don't have floating teachers? Is there a compliance in masks, social distancing, hygiene? So there's many components that actually dictate how safe a school is. If these things are not in place, you're automatically going to see a significant increase in cases. But you need to mitigate those cases in ensuring that they listen to public health officials and follow the recommendations we are providing to all these entities. When you all are are talking to to uh, when the scientists say that that we need a national response, can you explain to our audience, uh, the the kidney disease audience, what do you mean by what 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 is a national response going to do for us? National response is very important. Um, we. <clears throat> 
So let me put it in a different way. As the chair of the Texas Kidney Foundation, I feel that this national response is something that was supposed to happen months ago. This is a response that is actually providing standardized measures, no matter what state it is, no matter what organization it is. And so as we start mitigating these cases in one state and not the other, but without the synchronized uh, message to every governor, every state, there is going to need, there's a need for that, especially now, because then it's a standard message, no matter what state you live in, uh, you're going to have to maybe quarantine, you may be, you know, going to have to have your masks on all the time, uh, decrease uh, or limit activities, uh, and, and avoid any large crowds. And so if one state does that, if another state does not do that, it doesn't help. It needs to be, it needs to be a complete response nationally or nationwide in order for any of these recommendations to actually work. So what would a complete response look like in your opinion? <clears throat> there could be a variety of things of uh, a national response. It could be mandates. So, you know, we have already shown uh, wearing masks significantly decreases the spread. As a CDC, you know, initially our thought was, and, and, and if you remember many of the sessions we did earlier, uh, this year on COVID, we said wearing a mask is actually helping the others uh, from contacting the virus less ourselves. So if everybody wears a mask, it's gonna help the entire population of the entire group. Today, there was more information from CDC that it's both ways. Actually wearing masks, even helping you yourself and, 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 and that's a message I hear all the time because of two important things. When you're wearing this surgical mask, there's two components to a mask which many don't know. And so I'll share the knowledge with you guys. When you're wearing this surgical mask, the inside of the mask is an absorbent layer. So if you cough or sneeze, it's been absorbed. It's not going out. But the outside part of the mask is a waterproof layer, right? So if someone's coughing, it's, it's, it's waterproof. It's not getting into your mask. So the purpose is not just you're not spreading it, but others are not spreading it to you because that mask serves a due purpose. So that's kind of one of the areas of really focusing on a national, um, uh, you know, national, uh, I'm sorry. It's okay. When we're looking at a national kind of response is mandatory masks or, you know, making sure everybody's social distance, identifying the hotspots where the spread is occurring. So, you know, everybody has been very casual in the past month of, okay, I'm going to go to a restaurant and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And as you see, the spread is increasing because people are taking it uh, much easier than they should have. And we all understand you know, we have this COVID stress with us, but we need to bear in mind that, you know, we need to do this for ourselves, but also protecting others because we are now losing almost 2,000 lives per day. As a transplant recipient, 
how how are you uh, viewing this? Because our population is one of the the uh, most at risk populations uh, in the country, and and that's a that's a topic that that we haven't heard a lot about. Can you can you yes. talk to it? Can you speak to um, that? This is a very emotional topic for me, so uh, mind my words or mind my uh, my voice because um, it gets emotional. Uh, chronic kidney disease patients are at a very, very high risk for multiple reasons. But I'm going to share you with you some, some of the data we already know that a chronic kidney disease patient is four times likely to land up in hospital, mm-hmm. without doubt, just just from the top of it all. And so that's one. Number two is we're we, we more prone. We are more susceptible to the disease because of our condition. And so we need to be even extra cautious, not just staying home or not just not going anywhere, but making sure that people are not visiting us that often, bringing it to us. And so there's so much guidance that we need to follow to ensure that we do not, at any circumstances, get infected. Now, I talk about this because I serve as a first responder official. And as a first responder official, I'm going to be even extra careful. And I'm going to tell you what, and I'm going to tell you that Dr. Fauci and all these other experts, public health experts, have said this numerous times. They keep saying it. Keep your distance. Keep your mask. Hygiene. Avoid crowds. And if you can do that, you're going to mitigate this disease. I say it because as a frontline responder, I have followed those guidance to the T. I avoid individuals as much as I can. I try to work from home as much as I can. I always have a mask anywhere I go. Even if it's just going out for a walk, I have a mask. I make sure I'm socially distanced and I frequently wash my hands. Touch hood in the past eight months, I have not got infected. But I'm proud to say if, my, if the recommendations is help me, an individual that is so high risk, mm-hmm. and it can help anybody. And I want you all to, to uh, come back and continue to listen to what Dr. Mangla has to say. In our next segment, we're going to talk about what, Uh, Dr. Mangla, Texas Kidney Foundation, and the team that he is leading as in his professional time and in his personal time. Um, Let's talk about a little bit about what what Dr. Mangla is doing to help our kidney community, because this is is your true kidney crusader here who's who's spent his life and his time dedicated to helping you. So let's listen to what an expert and a person who's dealing with chronic kidney disease has to say. There's lots to learn. So come back 
And let's continue to listen to On the Record with Tiffany with my special guest, Dr. Neil T. Mangler. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And we're back with On the Record with Tiffany and uh, one of my favorite guests, my chairman of the board for Texas Kidney Foundation, Dr. Anil T. Mangla, and one of the uh, country's leading first responders for uh, contact tracing for this pandemic that we currently find ourselves in. Dr. Mangla, can you tell our audience a little bit about what... Um, what Texas Kidney Foundation and the team of of doctors and uh, um, caregivers that that we work with have come up with? Yes, thank you, Tiffany. So, as as the uh, chair of the Texas Kidney Foundation, uh, we have um, a few key uh, goals uh, that we are trying to focus on, and. Um, during this pandemic, those goals even become more important. Number one of those goals are to ensure that we are providing a, a significant amount of testing to our uh, cohort, to individuals that uh, are at risk of chronic kidney disease and people that may have chronic kidney disease, to ensure that they are identified. So when you're looking at screening, there's so less amount of tests out there in uh, the uh, community for chronic kidney disease that there's a large number of individuals that have the disease. So our prevalence is so high in the community, but no one knows it because it's almost like a silent killer till it's too late. And, 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 and I share that because that's exactly where I stood and that's exactly how I got on dialysis. So our number one goal is provide testing, make sure the individual is <coughs> tested, identified. Once that is happening, then we provide them and we, we, we forward them into categories of uh, care and management. The other vital important part that we also focus on is to do with training and education. 
So we want to make sure when once we have identified individuals, they are getting appropriate training and education, not just from our staff, but the experts uh, in neuro, uh, nephrology, experts with transplants, cardiology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they have a, a uh, abundance of knowledge and information that they can actually seek with the organization we have and the organization which is surrounded by these experts. Again, we're also providing education in the community of just people who need to understand what chronic kidney health is and how to keep your kidneys healthy uh, because if you don't do that you may start blending up into stage one two three and then eventually kidney failure and why i bring that up is um you know uh in san antonio we've been doing uh, numerous studies and one of the studies is very clear that uh, diabetic patients mm-hmm. and in some areas in san antonio one in three are diabetic if you're diabetic, you're on the road, your journey to kidney failure is pretty high. Mm-hmm. If you have high blood pressure, that's not any different. If you have obesity, that's not any different. But also we're working with physicians that are experts in vascular surgery because diabetics are going through a high number of amputations. There's no better place for us to target our resources in working with those type of facilities and to ensure people are being tested because if they are diabetic, going to, uh, you know, uh, facilities to uh, identify that they may have vascular problems, then there is 90% chance that they may have some type of chronic kidney disease with them. And so we identify those so-called hotspot areas. Once we identify them, again, as we say, we get them educated, knowledgeable, and then also provide them with management and um, case management, uh, case management and managed to care with the experts we have. You know, when uh, I first started working with Texas Kidney Foundation, you were one of the first people I met. Was uh, I think we met at, at uh, my first first board meeting, um, and when I look at how far the organization has come over that that three year period, um, with everybody working together as a team, it's uh, it is a very uh, a very humbling and exciting uh, time. Um, right now, I know we have. Uh, 10,000 um, free tests that, that we've procured with uh, a company called Healthy IO. And what Healthy IO provides, they're, they're also working with uh, the UK. Uh, they, they're doing the same testing within the UK, but, but on a, a much uh, larger scale. I believe they, they're uh, they they've gotten a contract with them for a uh, hundred and forty seven million pounds or something like that. Um, our tests they're they're uh, giving us ten thousand of them for free, 
for us to, and, and it's a no contact test, so they will mail the tests to uh, um, family members of those with uh, on dialysis and people who have had transplants. We know that's a high risk group. And then our next group, next target group is uh, people who have been diagnosed with diabetes and hypertension. Because we know that uh, there is a high prevalence for those individuals to possibly have chronic kidney disease. But we also know that, that the majority of them don't know whether they have it or not. So this testing will be vital in terms of underlying conditions because we know those underlying conditions that leave people vulnerable to COVID-19 that Chronic kidney disease is amongst them, and so is diabetes, and so is hypertension. Um, so for Texas Kidney Foundation, that's one of the things that uh, that we're doing and providing for our community. But I remember the day when you and uh, Dr. Sharma and I had, and some other board members had, had a uh, conversation about... Uh, wanting to do something more and uh, provide a stopgap uh, or a health care alternative that at least gave everybody um, a baseline for that's that's uh, one of your key phrases, Dr. M, a baseline for their health so that people would know where they were health wise what's going on with them so that they could have the same thing that we have in our uh, everyday uh, medical experiences with our doctors. So you sent me on the mission to find out. <laughs> you always send me on a mission to do something. <laughs> so you sent me on the mission to find uh, uh, some, some uh, testing. And and at a at a decent rate, which is what which was what was going to be the challenge for us, uh, and we managed to do that with clinical pathology laboratories. Uh, they partnered with us and um, and have been just stellar, uh, and they are are allowing us to test um, to do urinalysis. So we're able to give uh, a test of the kidney function through urine and also a blood test to test um, your general, to give a general health screening so that a person can come to Texas Kidney Foundation, um, get evaluated by uh, one of our, our medical professionals and receive uh, blood work and your analysis from clinical pathology laboratories uh, for $50. So our, our goal was to get, get uh, health care down to the cost of, what, of less than what many are paying for a, a uh, copay for an insurance. And we've done that. So, you know, I thank you for challenging, challenging us to, to get out there and find what we needed. <laughs> and then uh, also uh, for, for lending your expertise to, to, and passion to this. 
because uh, I think that's what it takes to for us to to get through a crisis like the one that we're in right now. We wouldn't uh, be able to offer what we what we are offering to the public if it weren't for people like you who have been through this and watched this industry for the last uh, few decades <laughs> uh, and worked diligently to have an impact on on uh, patient life. You know, I think it takes somebody that that's been there to to uh, think through the process in the way that that your guidance has helped Texas Kidney Foundation walk through the real process of what needed needed to be put in place for patients. So, yeah, but you know, Tiffany, it doesn't take one person. This is I I, I call a us team. a very very collaborative team where. Um, no matter where we come from, no matter mm-hmm. who we are, uh, no matter what our age is, no matter our gender, mm-hmm. I think we all share a very passionate goal, and it's one mm-hmm. goal. And that goal, from experience of what we're doing in the field, mm-hmm. so we are individuals that actually deal with chronic kidney failure individuals on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. We know what they go through. We know what their requirements are. We know what their needs are. And so with all our expertise in all these different areas and all our skill sets, that goal is to ensure that every chronic kidney disease patient does not land up number one on dialysis, mm-hmm. does not land up in hospital because of this pandemic. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions... You need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And so mm-hmm. right now, although we have, we have a vision, our, our immediate vision is this pandemic. And how can right. we avoid anybody for unnecessarily reaching that hospital because we know they're four times more likely. The other important thing I do want to bring up is as our team is, we are very innovative, we are proactive, and we are making sure that we keep in 
all the updates as possible in 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 um, seeing how and when a new COVID vaccine is distributed. And mm-hmm. and you know, let's not forget. And and um, I will play a major role in this. Is that every individual that is in a in a dialysis center, every individual who in Texas is going through chronic kidney disease are regarded as those uh, individuals within that high-risk category mm-hmm. and, 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 and would be provided the prioritization of getting that vaccine. And so our immediate goal, although we have that vision, has changed to what we need to do right now to ensure that we can uh, protect all the patients and all the individuals going through kidney disease within the state of Texas. So how, how do you um, view what's happening right now? Because we see those numbers uh, rising in the general population in, in the state of Texas. Well, are we surprised to see that? I am not surprised as a public health official. I mean, let's 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 kind of look at it and let's look at. Uh, I don't want to go too much in the medical terminology here, but an mm-hmm. incubation period for this disease is fourteen days, mm-hmm. meaning if you were exposed, it'll take your body about ten to fourteen days to show your symptoms, mm-hmm. show that you're positive. So let's look at all these rallies and all these gatherings that have occurred over the past month or two, maybe. Right. And, 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 and so what we've seen right now is not something that has happened today or yesterday or last week. It is what had happened in two months ago that we are now seeing now. So is this common to us experts? No, it's not. Every one of these cases that are above and beyond what we've seen would have been prevented if none of these major rallies and gatherings occurred because those are the influx of these new cases that are just surging in this country. Uh, Let's take a very good example in South Dakota. They had, you know, these, the, the, the biker rallies there. South Dakota's numbers within that two weeks surged to numbers they never, ever saw before. And so this is very clear. We are not seeing something that we were not expecting. Mm-hmm. It's all to do with the time. Um, recently, we've seen uh, people holding rallies, large rallies, uh, in protest of of uh, the election, and every time you see those rallies, uh, the people are maskless. They're not wearing masks. Many of them are not, and many of them are uh, not social distancing. I, you don't see much social distancing happening. So, with what you just said about us seeing right now, what? the effects of, of large gatherings from two months ago. Uh, I'll challenge you to remember those large gatherings two months ago, people were masked. 
These gatherings, it's at some of those. These gatherings that we're seeing right now, nobody's wearing any masks. Like the majority of them are not. So what are we going to see two months from now? Based on these gatherings that we're we're seeing today. Well, that's I, Stephanie. You bring up very important points, but you know, I, I really don't want to go too far because I will tell you what. <clears throat> with the new administration coming in, elect President Biden has already. identified his COVID task force. And I saw every that. individual in that task force is an expert. Yes. They're all science-driven individuals. We have to follow the science. And they're going to make, not going to, they're already making plans and decisions. What is science-based? And when you look at science-based of what we have seen over the past eight months, and we bring that into uh, the picture moving forward, I, I strongly feel that we, although we shouldn't get our guards off, there right. is going to be a clear mitigation of cases just because of the scientists making policies the- and decisions on how to move forward with COVID-19. Oh, I, I, I share your hopefulness uh, about that because uh, the way to stop something like this is the science. We we have to follow what what the experts say, and and once there is a clear message, one clear message from the experts being delivered to us. From the experts and from the leadership, everybody's on the, of the same accord. It it should make a huge difference for for our country and for each individual state to have directives. To have directives will make make a huge difference for everyone. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Let's not even oh, think no. of that. No, it's no, going no. to be a, a monumental task. But that task is going to be something that's going to be productive. Mm-hmm. So what we have gone through for eight months is going to subside because of just going towards evidence-based information and evidence-based policies that are going to be put in. When you um, look at how the disease has moved through our population, like how how has it, um, you know, everyone talks about it being an RNA virus. Can you explain to my, to our listeners, like what an, what that means in terms of mutation and change of the disease from person to person? Yeah, so many viruses are RNA. That's actually its genetic makeup. In another word, we can use is instead of genetic makeup, it's its nucleic acid makeup that makes that virus. And a RNA means it's a single-stranded. And I, I'm not going to go into you know too much biology, mm-hmm. but it's a single-stranded, and then a DNA is a double-stranded. 
So what the virus does, it attaches to a membrane a receptor uh, that we have, and then the, the, the genetic material of the virus is gone. It, it, it transfers into our cells, and then the virus uses our cell mechanism to change that RNA into DNA, and then it starts using our system to multiply. And that's where we call it incubation period. And so when it starts multiplying initially, you know, for the first five days, and normally we would tell individuals, why don't you get, if you feel you were, you were exposed, get tested between three or between five and seven days. And we use that five days is even if you were infected today, it takes your body about that five days to develop enough virus for a test to detect because of the sensitivity of the test. So by five days, your, 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 your system will develop enough so-called viral load to ensure that it can pick up that test. And so that's how these viruses work. From RNA, they use our system to uh, make that RNA into a DNA. And from DNA, it starts replicating and makes multiple copies of itself. So how many strains of COVID-19 uh, do you all estimate are in our population? That's a very difficult question to answer when I'm not, you know, I haven't kept up with the strains, but there has been numerous strains that have been circulated. It's very clear when uh, we do what's called the DNA diagnostic tests regarding this, this strains. Dr. Mangla, can you... Um, Tell our audience a little bit about how you ended up uh, on dialysis. On dialysis, I just want to switch gears so they understand what your connection is to kidney disease. Yes, so um, I'm not going to go in details, but I grew up in uh, South Africa and I had injured my uh, kidney uh, as a as a teenager. And um, again, we are bringing up and we're talking a lot about education, right? And we just, I, I neglected it and, and just continued with my life and um, not knowing much as uh, time went by, my, uh, uh, one of my kidneys started deteriorating and deteriorating significantly. Um, if I had known or if I had the education or if there was literature in promoting education of chronic kidney disease, I could have saved my kidneys uh, just by changing my lifestyle, changing my diet. I think that is mm-hmm. the crucial part. And, and, and making sure that I was monitored with my creatinine levels and my bun levels and my uh, GFR levels on a continuous basis. But none of that happened. And when I really, when it got to a point where it was too late and we all we all go through that if you ask anybody in dialysis it's it was too late and so so my goal for the community or for this organization moving forward is i do not want anybody to say it was too late because of going through eight years of dialysis was not easy but I did it. 
I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. But if we can prevent individuals from getting there, which I feel I could have been prevented of getting to that stage, if only I knew more about the disease, if I was educated, if my physicians educated me regarding the disease, if they actually did a complete blood panel and a kidney panel once a year. So, you know, this may be a policy we need to implement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on your wellness check, have a, ki- have a kidney panel and that will detect where your kidney function stands. And if those things were implemented, I would not be number one, going through, have gone through dialysis, and number two, even having a transplant. And so my story is something that mirrors many people. This could be genetic for a lot of people. It could be injury. It could be diet. And it could be also from other pre-existing medical conditions. No matter what it is, the end result is the same. It's dialysis Mm -hmm. and transplant if you're lucky. If you're lucky. And the, what you just said about about uh, your physicians, I, I want to go back to that because that seems to be where uh, the rub is 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 that that uh, with your with physicians, we've got to uh, tell people what's going on with their kidneys. In a timely manner, it's not happening. Like there's there's data that says that that we've that we're testing kidneys and that we're doing doing uh, the blood panels and urinalysis, but but somewhere along the way, the breakdown is not it's not getting to the patient. It's not being the information isn't being translated to the patient. Was that the case with with you to some degree? Well, it was, that was absolutely the case. I mean, there was not even talk about kidney function. There was, I mean, one of the other effects of kidney, uh, a, a very uh, common sign of kidney uh, disease is your high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I was very athletic. I played racquetball on a, I mean, three times a week. Uh, I was slim. Um, I mean, there was no indicator even through genetics, through my family, 
of why I had high, uh, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. They put me on many high blood pressure tablets, and even those did not work. Now, I wasn't at a level where I am now where I can diagnose myself on what it is. I was mm-hmm. a student, mm-hmm. and so I depended on my physician, and my physician could have identified, hey, high blood pressure, but this is this individual has absolutely no reason to have high blood pressure. Could it be kidney? And they mm-hmm. could have done a kidney function test. That never occurred. Like word kidney never ever came up in any conversation. Yet on a silent side, I was going through kidney failure. But the symptoms were there and that was not noticed. And so even if we have on a wellness check once a year for every patient to get a kidney panel, at least that would alert a physician to say, hey, this person's straightening is up. Let's do further testing. Exactly. And none of that ever happened. Exactly. Something as simple as uh, a, an inexpensive creatinine test could save uh, anyone's kidneys. That it, it's far better to have that that simple test done than to end up in end stage renal disease with an eighty-eight thousand dollar a year bill and your quality of life completely decimated. So, 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 so let me remind you uh, real quickly about the $88,000 bill. Um, again, that's on the low end. That depends on what type of medical insurance you have. Um, my bill for a year was hitting maybe $2 million. Wow. And so, and so, you can calculate this very easy. It was about eighteen to 20000 per session. You have three sessions per week. And so count per week, per month, per year. And that number really has Wow. So, so we, I was actually paying, my insurance was paying almost fifty to $60,000 on dialysis per week. That, that doesn't even seem... Real, but I, I know that it is. It's yeah. just yeah. Uh, that's an astronomical number. Yeah. So we need to be very vigilant of the cost to the community when we're looking mm-hmm. at someone going in dialysis. And it's mm-hmm. not just that, it's not the monetary value of that cost, it it's is the human the value. Emotion. Mm-hmm. The emotional, the family, the siblings, mm-hmm. the individual's work. I mean, there is so much that needs to be taken into account. And when you bring all those factors together, there's no, there's no monetary value you can put to it. You're exactly right. And Dr. Mangler, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, I thank you for taking your time uh, to talk with us and for uh, sharing what Texas Kidney Foundation is doing and and what our next steps are uh, to help our community. And I thank you for all the service that you're giving to the United States. And I look forward to uh, what our next steps will be with uh, this incoming administration and uh, a singular focus on on uh, mitigating this pandemic. 
Tiffany, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure having an interview with you. And again, there is one goal, and the goal is to support, educate, and ensure that none of our chronic kidney uh, disease patients really go through dialysis or transplants. And if we can help it, we will avoid them getting to it. Thank you so much, and you have a wonderful day. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930 AM The Answer. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you.